Bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacy. Living Word with Pastor Mensah Otoki. And now, today's word. I'm continuing my series on the sacrifice of praise, and this is part four, and I'll be uh, subtitling or focusing on worthy as the subtitle uh, of our conversation today. Last week, we looked at uh, the book of Revelation. We looked at chapter four, and we noted that worship is focused on God and his throne. And so as we worship the Lord, we must be mindful of God and his throne. Worship is not to give us a benefit or pleasure, but for us to focus on the Lord and what he does for us. And this week, we will still continue from the book of Revelation. We'll do a bit of chapter 4, and then we would look at chapter 5. And we'll be looking at three different worship scenes in the book of Revelation. So, Revelation chapter 4 and verses 9 to 11. And it reads, we read it actually last week, Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne, worship him who lives forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you were created, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. The key word we want to pay attention to in this passage is the word worthy. Worthy. Worthy is a word at the base of worship. For us to really worship God, uh, we have to understand what it means when we say uh, that something or someone is worthy. Because worship is the appreciation of worth. Worthship, the appreciation of worth. So in heaven, you see that there is a certain focus on the worthiness of the person who is being worshipped. So what does it mean uh, when we use the word worthy? First, it means to have weight and worth. To have weight, it means the person or the thing is not light, is not frivolous. It's something that is weighty, something that has real inner value, and something that is, has a lot of worth. So when we say something is worthy, it means it has value in itself. It has value in itself. And of course, when we address it to God, we mean that God has value in himself. We are not the one giving him the value. He already has it. Secondly, worthy means to achieve something notable. What you achieve gives you worth. First, there is the worth that is inner, and then there is the worth that is based on achievement. And thirdly, when we use the word worthy, we say that something is deserving of recognition. A thing or person who is worthy must be treated as worthy. 
We cannot take a worthy thing and treat it as common. So that is why when you have a great guest in your house, no matter how poor, disadvantaged you are, if somebody that you think is worthy comes to your home, for example, I come to your home, I think I'm worthy, don't you think so? <laughs> so, so if I visit your home, you would not ordinarily serve me with the things that are common in the house. So if there is a drinking glass that everybody commonly uses, when I come to your home, you will try to go deeper and bring something that is not common. Why? Because you think the person is worthy and a worthy person must be worthily recognized. And so when we say that God, for example, is worthy, then it also means that the recognition that we give to him must be an expression of the worth we place on him. If you place a high worth on God, it means that you have high worth for him. If you place low worth on him, it simply means that you don't have a, a great appreciation for who he is. When something is worthy, we recognize it according to the merit of its worthiness. Whether it is the way you treat a special guest, the way you treat an item. Uh, there are items we have in our home that are open for everybody to see. And there are items in our home that we hide and, and we keep because we think it's worthy and nobody must take it away from us. So when something is worthy, you recognize it as such. Now we have to then apply all this concept to worshiping God and giving him the worth. All right, so we're going to look at uh, the ways in which this worship takes place in Revelation chapter 4. What do they say God is worthy of? Now, if you read the passage, it says, verse 11, For you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So now they're telling us why they think God is worthy. That, that, why are we worshiping God? It says God is worthy as a creator. You created all things. God, you are worthy because you are the creator. I want you to pay close attention to this because later on we'll see another expression of worship and the focus will be a little bit different from this one. We worship God. He is worthy because all things exist because of him. If he had not made us, we would not even be here thinking about whether we should worship or not. All things exist because of him. The universe exists because of him. Creation exists because of him. And he is worthy as a creator. God created all things for his pleasure. Things exist not because of the things, but because of him, of God. And there's nothing bigger in creation. There's nothing bigger than God because he created all things. And that simply tells you that you cannot worship God 
beyond measure. You can't over-worship God. There is no worship we give to God that is too much. Now, there are things you can do for people that is too much. If I come to your house and, and yes, you set me right and you give me uh, uh, nice uh, utensils or glass and, and so on to eat in, that's fine. You see, that's my pastor. He's worthy of the nicest uh, cooking utensil, uh, uh, eating utensils in the house. But if you start after that and then you're rolling on the floor from one end to the other, you're rolling to the other and you are jumping and you are singing my praises and all of that, now you are giving me something beyond myself. Are you getting me? You're worshiping or you're showing word, but now the worship has gone overboard. So people will come to you and say, what are you doing? Are you, are you mad? He's just a man. Why are you rolling in front of him? However, when it comes to God, there is no worship that is beyond God. There's nothing we can give to God that is beyond him that we can say, oh, as for this, you are doing it too much. There's no too much worship when you come to God. Why? Because he made all things, all things exist because of him. And, and so for you to give something that is beyond God, then you have to get something that is beyond God to do something beyond God. But there's nothing beyond him. So there is no worship beyond God. You can roll on the floor for him. You can jump in the aisles for him. You can sing to him. You can sell all your belongings and give to him. You can actually sacrifice yourself for him and none of it will be beyond. You can decide, oh, I want to worship God and my way of worshiping God is I'm going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro and when I get there, I'll say hallelujah. That will not be too much for God. You say, okay, I'll go to the highest mountain. I go to Mount Everest and get to the top of it and I cry hallelujah. That's not too much for him. Okay, I'll go to the moon and when I get there, I'll cry hallelujah. That's not too much for him. Okay, I'll go. You can go to the farthest part of creation and shout hallelujah, it will still not be beyond God because there is no way to worship God beyond himself. That's what they are saying. You are worthy because you created all things. All things exist because of you. And not only that, they said, not only do you create all things, you sustain all things. You hold all things. He doesn't just create, he sustains. The worshiper himself or herself belongs to God. So what the four living creatures and the 24 elders are saying is, we are worshiping you because you created us in the first place. What should we do? You created us, so we worship you. And we are worshiping you because you are the one who has kept us up to this time. And for that reason, we worship you. We exist because of you. We are sustained by you. And so we worship you because you are the creator. That's the first aspect. But there's a, another scene that we would look at. And this worship takes place after the Lamb of God had broken the seal to usher in a new phase of God's revelation. Now, if you read prior, John is uh, in consternation because nobody is considered worthy uh, to open, take the scroll and open it. And then comes the Lamb of God and, and he takes the scroll and opens it. 
and then this worship comes up. And so that is Revelation chapter 5, verse 8 to 10. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. I want you to pay attention to that, a new song. So that, it's, it means it's a little different from what they've been singing. This, this song is different from what we read. A new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. So the passage is saying that they sing a new song. And why is it saying they sing a new song? Because what they are about to express is different from what the four living creatures and the 24 elders had expressed. God, we worship you because you are our creator. We exist because of you. But now there's a new song coming. And if you pay attention to the script, it says the four living creatures are still there. The 24 elders are still there, but there's something else that is included in this worship. It says that the, they are carrying a bowl of incense. And that bowl of incense represents the prayers of the saints. In other words, in addition to the four and twenty elders and the four living creatures, now there's a new witness in this worship, and that is born-again believers who have also offered praise to God. The Bible calls it their prayer. So there is a new category adding to this praise, and that is why the song changes because this new category have an experience that the four and 20 elders don't have and the four living creatures don't have. And so the song has changed because the reality of the worshiper has also changed. Are you following me? All right, so I want you to pay attention to that. What are they worshiping? They are worshiping and they're saying Christ is worthy as our redeemer. Not just the creator, but redeemer. Redeemer. That's a different experience. The living creatures have not been redeemed. The 24 elders, probably if they represent the church, then they understand redemption. But more than everything is the prayer of the saints, is the believers, born again believers who have been redeemed, who now join in this chorus and give it a totally new flavor. You are worthy as a redeemer because you've redeemed us. And I want you to look at the four things they say in their worship. He says, you are worthy because you were slain for us. You died for us. The language demonstrates the brutal price that Christ paid for our redemption. He was slain for us. He was killed for us. So they said, that's why we are worshiping you. Secondly, because you redeemed us. You freed us from bondage. You restored us to God without injury. They shift the reason, not only to what you have done for us, but what you have made us. You have made us kings and priests unto God. And you have made us rulers over the earth. 
The Bible calls it a new song because a new experience. Those who have been redeemed are joining in this chorus. Those who have been born again are joining in this chorus and they can sing a song that the four living creatures cannot sing because they don't fully understand salvation and redemption because they never fell and had to be redeemed. But these guys, they fell and have to be redeemed. So they join their voice to the voices of heaven and the Bible calls it a new song. Normally you sing a new song to the Lord when you have a new experience of the Lord. If you know him only in one way, your song will only be in that way. But when you see a new dimension of God, then you sing a new song to him to reflect that new dimension you have encountered of God. There's something I want you to also pay attention to this worship. I, I consider this the purest of worship because this is heaven. This is not on earth. This is not even David worshiping. This is not Solomon worshiping. This, this is heavenly worship. So if you really want to understand worship, this is what you have to follow because this is the purest form of worship. And if you look at the worship, it focuses on two things and two things only. God as our creator, Christ as our redeemer. God as our creator, Christ as our redeemer. Why do we worship? Because God is our creator and Christ is our redeemer. That's all. That's all. Why is that important? You know, many times we worship God for benefits we have received from him. And it's good to do that. We thank God when, you know, people get married and they say, oh, see what the Lord has done. See what the Lord has done. What are we waiting for? has come to pass. Because I waited so long and I got married. So, so it's good, you know, you get married and then you thank God. Or a couple has been waiting to have a child for so long and they bust out. See what the Lord has done. What we've been waiting for has come to pass. Or you've been waiting, waiting for American visa for so long and see what the Lord has done. What we're waiting for has come to pass. Now, so, so all this worship is based on what God has done for us materially to make our lives better here on earth. Whether we got a promotion or God gave us money or we're able to graduate, we got a law degree, became medical doctors. They are all causes for praise, but none of it is represented in this worship. None of it is there. Nobody says, oh God, I worship you because you gave me a new car. Two things and two things alone, because you are our creator and because Christ is our redeemer. The foundation of all worship is because God is our creator and Christ is our redeemer. Why is that important? Because you know, sometimes people come to church and they say, I have nothing to worship about. My life is hard for me. This year has been a tough year. Maybe my shop got burnt up. 
and this happened, uh, or maybe I, I, my marriage broke up and there was a divorce, and, and this year something went terrible. Oh, you know, we, we all have terrible experiences, and sometimes when we haven't received anything good in a year, in a week, in a month, or 10 years, we think there's no reason why we should worship because God has not done anything for us. There are people sitting in church today, you came to church, maybe very dull today because this week you have been suffering. But pure worship is not based on the miracle you received. It's not based on whether you failed your exam or passed your exam. It's not based on whether you, had, you were divorced or your marriage is working, whether you have a child or you don't have a child, whether you are married or you're not married, whether they bounced you at the American Embassy or they didn't bounce you. That is not the basis of worship. Of course, when God does good things for us, we can come and worship Him. But until we grasp that our worship is only based on two things, God as our creator, Christ as our redeemer. Until we do that, we cannot offer real worship to the Lord because your mood, your experience will always color your worship. But when we come before the Lord, two things we remember, he made us and he redeemed us. He made us and he redeemed us. So I don't know what your experience has been this week. Maybe this, this has been one of those weeks where, like Job said, I wish this day had never happened, the day on which I was born. Maybe some, some of you are looking at me and say, I wish second week of November 2023 had never happened. I wish it would be erased from the earth and from history because I've gone through hell second week of November 2023. But he's still your creator, and he's still your redeemer. Maybe you lost your job this past week, but you didn't lose your creator, you didn't lose your redemption. So when we come before God, we understand what we have lost, we understand what has gone wrong, but our focus is only on these two things. God is our creator, Christ is our redeemer. And that is the basis of worship. That means we must take time to appreciate God as our creator. And it, sometimes we take it for granted. We take it for granted, just like we take so many things for granted. And, and we don't even value the life we have. Well, if you were not alive, you would not even have experienced pain. If you were not alive, you would not have lost property. You lost property because you were alive. So being alive is far more worse than the experience that comes because you are alive. I'm alive. God created me. God is my creator. I worship him because he made me. Life is hard, but I'm born again. I'm redeemed. I'm washed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm a child of God. So I worship the Lord. Is your experience the best? Not exactly. Is God still your creator? Yes, sir. Is Christ still the redeemer? Yes, sir. Do you have all the basis for worship? Yes. You don't have a visa, but you have a creator and a redeemer. And that is why we worship God. And that's what heaven is teaching us, that don't let the earthly experience keep you away from a 
heavenly reality. An earthly experience should not keep you away from experiencing God as he wants you to experience it. Listen, your experiences on earth may be up and down. There is no constant on earth, but there is a constant with God. He's our God, our creator, and Christ is our redeemer. The final thing we look at is in verse 11 to 14, Revelation chapter 5. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures, the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. That means you can't count them. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth such as in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne to the lamb forever and ever then the four and living creatures said amen and the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Wow. Now if you look at the progression of the worship, it's like it starts with a small group, four living creatures, 24 elders. Then in the second instant, is the four living creatures, 24 elders, but joined by the prayer of the saints. And then the fourth scene, everything is joining in, including creatures from the sea and creatures from the earth. And it, it means everything. I don't know what the Bible means, everything there, whether it's everything like the cats are meow, the dog, whoa, whoa, whoa. The cows are mooing, and everybody is saying blessing and honor and glory and power and wisdom to the one who sits on the throne. Why? Because he created us. He created us. So this passage says that there comes a point in worship it's not just a few people, but all creation joins in this worship. And they declare the majesty of him who lives forever. And just talk, let's pay a little attention to what goes on here. The passage says he's worthy to receive. Worthy to receive. What does it mean? That the Lord receives what he's worthy to receive. First, he received, what he receives comes from what he achieved through his death and resurrection. But secondly, what he receives comes from what we give to him. And what are the things that we give to him? Power and riches and wisdom and strength and glory and blessing. Does it mean he doesn't have power? We have to give him power? No. When we worship, we say, Lord, we give you power. Are we making him more powerful? No. We're saying, Lord, we take all the power we have and we give it to you. Lord, we give you glory. He already has glory. What we're saying is, Lord, we take our glory and give it to you. Lord, we give you wisdom. What does it mean? He's not wise. He's wise. We say, Lord, we take our wisdom and give it to you. Lord, we take our riches and give it to you. Lord, we take our honor 
and give it to you. Lord, we take our blessing and give to you. And the Bible says he receives that. So true worship is when we take everything that we consider valuable, worthy in us, and give all of that worth to God and to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we must learn not only just to praise him because he's a creator, but we must also learn to say, Lord, everything you've given to me, I give it to you. You gave me wisdom, I give it to you. You gave me glory, I give it to you. You gave me power, I give it to you. You gave me might, I give it to you. You gave me strength, I give it to you. Whatever you have given to me, I give to you. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebile, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebile. Email Otebile.